morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here back in the saddle for another mindful Monday morning, friends. Torch Report 356. Today we're going to be talking about breathing through the bullshit. <laughs> The secret to maintaining sanity in the midst of the Great Reset is found in every single breath. Today is just another day. That's what I'll say about the ongoing fray. It's just another day. Nothing shocking, nothing new, nothing newsworthy except the glue. The sticky headlines that grab the mind and tell it what to do. Think this. No, no. Think that. They battle back and forth, these pernicious headlines, whipping our attention this way and that. Thus, we must just breathe. A nice, big, deep breath in. Oh, it feels good. <sighs> you know, the uh, the biggest lesson I learned, I'm going to tell you a little story here. There's a lot of stuff in the news that we're not even going to talk about today because, hey, I have the creative liberty to do that, right? But I want to share with you some lessons that I learned while enduring a decade of chronic pain. While I was waiting for the VA to amputate my foot, every step of every day was marked by a deep, in inescapable, nagging pain. You know, I had the, the, the hardware in my ankle was failing and it was berating a nerve. Anyway, it was, it was, it was miserable, you know, limping for a decade with a fused ankle had taken its toll on my body, on my mind, on my soul. You know, my hips and my back were all jacked up. My neck and my shoulders were way out of whack. And for a period of time, it seemed like there was really nothing I could do to mitigate the misery except for medicate with heavy narcotics. And of course, the VA gave me plenty of narcotics. You know, they, they gave me Vicodin for regular pain. They gave me morphine for breakthrough pain and gabapentin for nerve pain and methocarbamol for, for muscle pain. And all of these drugs helped a little bit, you know, but more than anything, they just kind of doled the dreary days and they muddled my mind. My mental acuity was impossible to muster. It was like I was going through life with a paper bag on my head. But then I learned to breathe. It's kind of funny because you think, well, I breathe every day. Yeah, but there's some there's some very powerful techniques, breath techniques, breathing techniques uh, that really changed my life. It, it was amazing. I had bought a small library of books on yoga and meditation. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to treat it like an experiment. I'm going to do everything on every page and see if it works. And in a fairly short order, I was able to kick the narcotics and manage the pain holistically. Now, I asked my doctor, what would happen if I just started taking the medications? You know, if I just quit cold turkey, was it going to kill me? And the doc said, nah, well, you know, you might feel like you're going to die, but ultimately you're going to live. Uh, of course, he highly recommended that I came off the drugs gradually over the course of, you know, several months, but that's not really my style. So I quit cold turkey. I was desperate to reclaim my life. And now I had this whole new toolbox to help me rebuild my body and my mind. And through thousands and thousands of hours of yoga and meditation, I learned how just how intricate and how inextricably linked the body-mind connection is. 
I learned how to access and activate and explore this connection, the mind-body connection. And that's ultimately what allowed me to manage pain using little more than the almost magical power of some ancient breathing techniques. You know, these, these, these ancient techniques. This is wisdom, friends. It's been passed down by the sages through the ages. And I was learning to master it, and the results were nothing short of astounding. Now, fast forward, I ended up not having to amputate my foot. The doctors were really stunned by the, the progress. They're like, wow, this is remarkable. You know, you, you know, you've lost 75 pounds, you've gained range of motion, you know, all this kind of stuff. I had gained balance and strength in ways that I, I had never imagined even having. Even in the, in the days of, you know, you know, an athletic youth, I played sports and, you know, in military service and all that. I was always very athletic, but I didn't have the kind of balance and strength that I was developing with this yoga and these breathing techniques. Now, not only had learning how to properly breathe led me down this journey of healing and recovery. It was literally transforming me to who I am from the inside out. It's pretty cool. And one day the doctors asked if I would be willing to come in and, and share with the other people, other patients, other people who were suffering with pain, what I was doing. And I was all over it. I'm like, heck yeah, I'll share. And I put together a presentation called Finding Focus. And because where the, where the focus goes, the energy flows. That comes from Kung Fu, Qigong, Tai Chi. Okay, And this is key to pain management. Where the focus goes, the energy flows. Pain management at its root, I had discovered, is mental management. It's not that the pain's not physical or real, but there is a, a huge component of it that's mental management. Addressing the mental emotional connection that is hyper agitated by chronic pain, that's the most direct way to lower pain levels. And this fact is it's ultimately borne out by both science and personal experience. So obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm just an ignorant peasant, friends. But I want to share this little bit of my life journey here because it ties into managing perception in the age of, of psychological warfare. What it really does come down to in the managing the pain department is managing perception. In the depths of meditation, we can learn to observe pain. Pain can be evaluated. Pain can be released. We need not grip the pain. We don't have to hold on to it. We don't have to tense up, though that's, you know, that's the normal biological response. The knee-jerk response is, you know, we cringe, we tense up and all that. That's when the pain amplifies in the brain. Anyway, more than that, as a person learns to manage pain perception, the relationship to pain evolves. And pain can be separated from personal identity. And I, I'm sure that probably strikes some of you guys as purely esoteric. Luke, what the hell are you talking about? What about the politics? What about the commie? Come on, take it over the world, friends. It's all true. But this managing of perception and this being able to separate pain from personal identity, it, it, it I can't, I, it's hard for me to put into words exactly how, why that's so important, but it, it does directly correlate to the ability to peel back the layers of illusion that are being created by all this mental warfare. If we can separate pain from our personal identity, which we can, I've lived through it, I can tell you for a fact you can do that. In the very same way, we can separate the personal story or the, the, the narrative 
from our personal identity. Okay, that the, the mental chatter from our personal identity. It's another level of of depth and philosophical conversation. But here, you know, ultimately, when in the, from the pain department, when we separate the pain from the personal identity, it creates an internal shift that manifests as a physiological effect. Our bodies literally release different biochemicals, which ultimately determines how we feel, and that determines how we interpret the pain. The pain may still be there. The body may still be broken, but the pain takes a smaller space in the brain. And thus, the experience of feeling pain is lessened. That's that's how it works. And all of this happens via the use of powerful breathing techniques that allow us to elevate awareness, harness the mind, and access our inner resources. It's pretty cool stuff, friends. Pretty cool stuff. You know, years later, I went on to open up a yoga studio and help other people learn how to breathe their way to better health, right? Or be able to heal, access, and, and use these inner resources. Our body has an immense capacity to heal. At any rate, you know, prior to this stage in life, prior to being a, you know, breaking my body, playing GI Joe and waiting for the VA to amputate my foot and learning these breathing techniques and yoga stuff. I always thought of yoga as a new age hippie cult. But after I shed the doubt and tried it out, I found out just how powerful this ancient science is, in particular, the breathing. Now, make no mistake, friends, there certainly is a new age hippie cultish aspect in a lot of yoga circles, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? There's a lot of yoga that's that's uh, just straight up yoga, you know, the science of yoga. At any rate, you know, as human beings, we can uh, we can see that people pretty much you can turn anything into a religion, right? Cult like fetishes seem to be par for the course of humanity. But I'm, I wanted to share this part of my story with you so that you can understand a little bit better about where I'm coming from. And so that you know, when I say just breathe, <sighs> I'm not making this stuff up, friends. I'm not just playing patty cake with platitudes here. As I've repeatedly said since I started the torch report, I believe that the solution to political chaos lies in the elevation of personal awareness. And that elevation of personal awareness rests in the breath until more people are capable of managing their own minds and their own emotions, there's really very little hope that society is going to return to the principles of liberty. Liberty requires a, 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 a an empowered population, people who are in control of their own minds and emotions at least part of the time. And of course, over the last several months, you know, I've done a lot of reports on psychological warfare. Uh, since the start of the year, we, we've explored memetics and menticide and the myriad other methods of mind control that the global cabal is using to enslave us all. If we go further back, you know, last year I wrote the special report on communist mind control, and it spelled out exactly how the cabal is exploiting loopholes in human nature in order to foment the transformation of consciousness that is conditioning the masses to accept this utter insanity. And you know, people are talking about it, friends. This is the uh, the woke mind virus. Uh, uh, Ron DeSantis likes to use that. Elon Musk and Bill Mayer, they were recently having a conversation about the woke mind virus. Now, mind you, both of these guys 
uh, are left-leaning. You know, Bill Baer is very left. Elon Musk has been a progressive, you know. Uh, people are, I, I love to see people who are on the left waking up to this fact that this is a woke mind virus. It's a mental mental virus. That's what memetics is all about. If you really want to get into the uh, kind of the inner workings of the mind virus, check out the article on uh, the report on memetics. That was, I did a couple of them, but the Torch Report uh, 301, Torch Report 301 was memes, memetics, and mental warfare. That was from back in February. At any rate, uh, ultimately, more people are waking up to the fact that the woke are off their effing rocker. <laughs> These people are completely insane. They are detached from reality and operating in a carefully constructed illusion. They can no longer distinguish between what they think and actual reality. They're lost in the mental mirage. And their collective insanity is simultaneously being instigated and supported by the state-sanctioned narrative. The language and the stories and all that kind of stuff how that, uh, this is the way it works, right? The language leads to, you know, specific circuitry being fired off in the brain, and that leads to neuroplasticity. This is the, the clinical uh, side of mind control and brainwashing and menticide and all this stuff. But this assimilation into the collective cult is what is driving all of the delusional behavior of the useful idiots out there. Like the people who, you know, who are now self-identifying as, uh, I'm, I'm self-identifying as being disabled. You know, I'm a man, but I self-identify as being a woman. I'm a woman, but I self-identify as being uh, a man. I, I'm a kid, but I self-identify as being a god. I don't know. These people are nuts. But, 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 friends, the real impetus behind all of this systematic destruction of happiness, you know, the, the delicate task of developing dissatisfaction that's destroying mental health, the real purpose behind this, what's, what's the, the outcome of this delusional behavior is that these useful idiots are being harvested for their votes. You notice how everybody's talking about the mental health crisis, but nobody ever talks about taking away people's right to vote when they can't discern fact from fiction or fantasy from reality. Okay, which brings me back to the breath, friends. Breathe deep. <sighs> Feels good. Uh, just taking a deep breath. I'm just going to throw this out here. You know, if you think you look at the clock, you think, oh, it's it's 12 o'clock. Luke's late today. <laughs> I am late, friends. I'm sorry. I apologize. Got home after a long uh, event weekend and just was running a little bit behind the schedule this morning. But here we are. You know, but every time you look at the clock, if you think it's been an hour since you took a nice big deep breath, take a big deep breath and pause with the breath full and feel your heartbeat. And once you've tuned into that heartbeat, then relax your shoulders as you exhale. <sighs> And if you do that, you know, every hour or so, whenever you notice the time and think, gosh, it's been at least an hour since I took a big, deep breath, you take a big, deep breath. And it really goes a long ways. This relaxation, and just it takes a fraction of a second. It's free, it's easy, and friends, it works, you know, but take a deep breath. When you, when you hear something that's driving you nuts, take a deep breath. When you're working on something that doesn't work the way you want it to, take a deep breath. When you realize that people are out there in the world today using artificial intelligence to win the lottery, take a deep breath. 
uh, other articles out there today talking about how AI is already running the financial markets. And of course, that might account for why the financial markets haven't gone into a total collapse. But when you hear about total financial collapse, take a deep breath. Other people are using artificial intelligence to create clones of themselves, and these clones are capable of fooling one's own mother. Interesting link in the report today, friends. When you hear about clones and the transhumanist agenda, when you hear stories uh, like this, then take a deep breath. You know, the uh, godfather of AI, this guy, his name's Dr. Jeffrey Hinton, he just, uh, he just stepped down from Google. Because he needed to, he he felt compelled to warn everybody about the very real dangers posed by artificial intelligence, the rapidly advancing capacity of artificial intelligence, citing profound risks to society and to humanity. Uh, Dr. Hinton, he says, this godfather of AI, he has two primary concerns here. Number one is that it's impossible to stop evil people from using this AI for evil purposes. The second thing, of it, the second primary concern is that with this AI, the average person will not be able to know what's true anymore. I mean, we got fake, deep fakes, you know, fake photos, fake voice, fake video, all of it. How's anybody going to know what's true anymore? And interestingly enough, he's right on both accounts. I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? But being the progressive that he is, his take on it is that we need more government regulation and oversight. We need the government to control the AI so people can use it for, cannot use it for evil. Okay. We need the government to control the AI so that people can know what is and is not true. Now, let me ask you, do you believe that this is what we need the government to do? Do we need the government to have more and more control over the most profound technology ever created by humankind? Is the government somehow immune to being evil? <laughs> Does the government have a monopoly on what is and is not true? Should the government have a monopoly on what is and is not true? Should the government really have control over the flow of information, i.e. state censorship? Is it really all that wise for us to trust corrupt politicians with these incredibly powerful technologies? I'd say, I mean, it's all fair game, friends. I mean, it's kind of rhetorical in, in some sense, but the writing is on the wall here, friends. This powerful technology is here. They are using it and they're weaponizing it against we, the people of humanity and Advanced AI, it's here to stay, friends. It's going to fundamentally transform society and even our very concept of humanity and this allure of being an all-knowing, all-powerful, and just as lazy as ever before peasant will no doubt entice the masses to embrace all of those transhumanist fantasies that are being fueled by the rise of AI. And friends, make no mistake, there are massive Massive political implications to all of this. Geopolitical. Okay, We're talking about the inescapable socialist surveillance state and the commies that are taking over the world, friends. But to prevent this, the worst case scenario from playing out, we need an awakening. If the worst case scenario actually does begin to play out, we need an awakening. To find solutions to all of our problems, big and small, personal and political, we need 
an awakening. If we want to rise up, resist, and reclaim our destiny as free and independent, we need an awakening. Friends, in a world turned upside down, it's hard to tell which way is up. In a world that's gone insane, it's hard to maintain sanity. In a world full of confusion and illusions, it's hard to know what's real. And for all of this, we need an awakening. And if there's one thing I know for sure, friends, as I've learned from a great deal of pain and suffering in my own life, it's that this awakening begins with the breath. Breathe deep. Ah, life is good, friends. We're going to get through this. Just don't forget to breathe. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the website or the Substack app. Click that heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and enjoy. Embrace this beautiful, mindful Monday morning, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 